Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I draw your attention this morning to two passages of Scripture. I admit to you that most usually when we are out, we take something that is familiar that we have been teaching and ministering at home and we share. But this will not leave me alone. And so if by chance this don't work, will you be kind to me and say when I'm finished, he tried. (laughs) And if it does work, just say, thank you, Lord. First from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 4. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Second Kings chapter 8. And verse 11, and he settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept. For a few moments, I simply asked you a question. Why are you weeping? You may be seated. There are a lot of familiar scriptures that you've heard ministered upon. Psalms 30 and 5, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. He that go forth bearing precious seed. Oh, I like that one. It speaks of him returning weeping, or rejoicing rather, after he had wept planting. My bishop, my mentor, my elder is not among us anymore. And I miss him probably more than I can express in words. He was a farmer had a farm around the Malden area. That's what he had done almost all of his life in the midst of that and pastoring the country church at Naylor. Driving that night on Wednesday, Saturday night, Sunday, 40, 50 miles one way. Just week after week after week after week. That was the bishop.
He's been gone several years, and just a few weeks ago, Mom, the bishop's wife, passed, and we were at her service. And I told her remaining son, I said, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to articulate how I feel. But I said, the bishop took a place in my life that was vacant. I said, I love my dad, my natural dad, and he was a hard-working fella. I, I mean that. Dad just worked and toiled and done for us and bought. And, but sometimes he wasn't there when I needed someone to talk to. And so I made a connection with the bishop, and there were times that we would talk scripture. Oh, God. And he wasn't afraid to tell me, no, that's not right. I remember coming in when we were evangelizing, and I said, Bishop, I, I got to talk to you. Bishop, I got to talk to you. And uh, we went to the Word. I said, this is what I think the Lord has showed me. And so I began to share with him. And I think he became as excited with me as I was about the revelation. Right. Revelation, listen to me, it was a revelation to me. I knew everybody else knew it or I come to understand that. I was just, I don't know, I must have been doing something else in Sunday school class when they come across it. And then there were times that I went to him and I said, Bishop, what's this scripture say? Mean? He said, just what it says. I said, yes, what does it mean? Just what it says. I said, Bishop, that's, 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 uh, that's uh, you up there. Get this straightened up. <laughs> it's all right. I'm on dock your pay. There we go. <laughs> what does it mean? Well, it means what it says. Yes, that's, that's fine. Okay, but uh, that ain't catching it. What does it mean? Just what it says. And I come to understand that he was endeavoring to establish a principle within my life that the word, if approached properly, sought after, would weave together into a form of a beautiful tapestry. Yes. He, was, he was quite the gentleman. I believe he had a revelation of the end time through the book of Revelation that I wish that, I wish it had been recorded. I, I really do, but it wasn't. There were things about his natural life that never was shared with us. And I, I believe that's good. But his oldest son, who also was called into the ministry, got sharing this. The bishop, a farmer, had planted several acres of soybean. It was a beautiful crop. Man, he had toiled and labored and it appeared that nature had been his helper that year. And so it was as they began to make preparations for harvests and that uh, 
the day of the harvest, he was there, his youngest son, they were getting ready to pull it in, and it seemed like every tractor that went to the field broke down. May not mean anything to you, but we're talking about a time element, an approaching storm, seed that of crop it's ready to harvest and they done their best the last one pulled in and it broke down and as it did the rain started and when that moisture began to hit those dry pods they began to burst and the seed fell to the ground his son said my dad began to weep and fell to the ground weeping why was he weeping there may be some of you that understand he's looking at almost a year of labor oh he'll get something out of it but what could it have been labor gone labor gone there are many things that cause us to weep, many things that bring us to a place of grief. Some of it easy, some of it not. You never know what the individual sitting beside you this morning may really truly be feeling. Those that you work with on the job, what they've been through. Why they respond in the way that they do. I work in a lumber shed. I work behind the counter. I work with another apostolic preacher. It's kind of rumored there's something about that bunch behind the counter down at Meeks because they're both preachers. You have to watch them. It's not that we're going to take up an offering. I don't know why they say that. They just carry on. But the lady, young lady, or the lady that works behind us in the office has found herself at times under tremendous stress and at times she would bite us with words. You ever been bit with a word? Am I the only one? Come on. It's confession. There you go. It won't hurt you. Yeah, man. Bite us. So one day she, she got feeling bad and she got confessing and repentance. Yes. I said, look, it's okay. I'm married. <laughs> we, we may really have an altar call here in a minute. <laughs> Again, how many understands, well... Yes, gentlemen, let's stand up and be bold this morning. How many of you understood what I just said? Well, that's all right. Some of you haven't, you henpecked fellas. <laughs> and I know it works both ways. But she uh, said something to me and had bit me, bit me again. And after a while, I got thinking, man, there's something really wrong with you, woman. Yeah. 
And there was. She was dealing with some problems with a mother-in-law that lived with them, elderly. Her mom was dealing with a loss of memory. A stepfather, the same thing. No help from siblings, and the pressure was on. And there were times that she faced criticism from everybody by them simply, well, why ain't you doing any better? Duh. She's trying to work. She's got a husband that's not well and had surgery in the midst of all of this. And you know who she was taking it out on? <laughs> the preacher's behind the counter. few weeks went by and, and all of this was something that had built over a period of passing of time and so finally her daughters had come and got her and said mom it's enough and they just literally come in and moved her out and her and, and their dad to another place you know what she was like Monday morning I said where's Peg at what have you done with her we face things and suffer with things. And sometimes people wonder why. My mother and dad is both gone. And my mother was the last. I'm glad she was in the church. I'm glad for her confession of faith. But I'm telling you right now, my mama was hard to deal with. I have a sister that's in Idaho, and she couldn't help. My brother was evangelizing, and guess whose shoulder it fell on? Me. And for a while after Dad had was gone, I tried my best to fill the gap as far as taking her places and doing things, and it just reached a point that it wasn't enough. It reached a point that we had to put her in a home. It reached a point that they couldn't do enough. I remember going and seeing her, and she, her simple complaint was, the food in here is terrible. I thought, well, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm not eating it. I thought, Mom, look on the bright side. You got someone that does your wash. I don't like the way they fold my clothes. Mom, they clean your room. Clean it. They don't hardly touch it. I thought, oh, my God. And if you're not careful, those things that seem to stem from a moment of grief can become so monstrative in our lives. Well, what would you suggest, Pastor? Well, maybe the best thing you need to do is speak to it. Let me come through that again. Don't everybody jump over pews. Okay, nobody run in the aisles. But Jesus taught us that when you face a mountain in your life, and sometimes those mountains seem to grow before us. There just comes a time you just need to take charge and say to them, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not putting up with it. 
Woo, somebody hear me here. You can allow grief, sorrow, mistakes, whatever it may be, reach a point in your life that they will consume you or you can rise above them. I'm talking to somebody here. This You can rise above them. And the woman I knew as mom seemed to diminish with the passing of days. She went into the hospital and they, with some, something I, I don't know now, something I've tried to lay to rest and they tried some new medication upon her, knowing that the possibility of it being detrimental to her existed and within Seven days, mom was gone. At the memorial service, I must admit to you, I couldn't weep. I couldn't cry. I told my wife, I said, I, I feel almost ashamed of myself that people looking at me are going to say, you didn't have no feelings. Yes, but it seemed like struggling with mom all of those months and weeks that it just seemed to, de to have such a deterrent upon my own life. You're going to think I'm crazy. Here this last week, I sat down, Facebook come up, an article I had read once or twice before. But this particular time, I began to read something like this. It seemed to say this. A married woman came to her husband and said, there's a lady wanting a date with you. She would like to have some time with you. She wants you to take her out. And he said, well, who is this? She said, it's your mom. He said, all right, I will. And so he did. He took mom out. They went to a restaurant had a good time, they laughed, it had been so long, and for some reason, something snapped in me. And I hung my head down on that table, and I began to weep uncontrollably. I thought all that was at rest. I thought I had made my peace with it all, but it was still there. Sometimes we build a lot of walls that shouldn't be built and we shut things out that should be tended to. We take the attitude that gentlemen, men don't cry. That's a lie. Sometimes it takes a big man to stand up and weep and say, hey, I got feelings down on the inside. Are you going to stay with me here this morning? Hallelujah. My wife come in and she heard me and she come in and she put her arms around me and hugged me up good and tight and still the tears are just flowing. I finally kind of pulled myself together and I think, man, I got this all right now and we'll make it. And so I go in and lay down beside her and she said, Why are you crying? And I started crying all over again. 
It's amazing what we got down here. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, may I say to you, you are in a place where there is one that can really comfort you in the situation that you may be in this morning. I'm going to say that again. Well, how do you want me to respond? I, I'm not going to tell you how to respond because I don't know how you will respond. But I do know this, there is one that is here that was tempted in every aspect as us. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 53 says he was a man acquainted with grief. He knew what it was to be rejected. He knew what it dealt, how it was to deal with those that would not hear him. He knew what it was to be betrayed. He knew what it was to suffer with a loss of a loved one. Matter of fact, the scripture often quoted Jesus. Well, where is that at? Is that not at a particular time when a man that was close to him had passed from this scene? That he in turn had tarried a few days beyond it. Could he have been a help? I don't know if that was the will of God or not. But I do know this, that when he got there, he was going to settle in someone's mind this principle, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Though a man be dead, yet shall he live again. He's going to settle it once and for all. Woo! Things we go through, things that we suffer, You up there, you still with me this morning? Go to Isaiah chapter 53. I like this. Start in verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who has seen his might, his, might, his power in operation? Who has seen him do what only he can do? That's what he's asking. Verse 2. For he has grown up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no farm or comeliness that when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing about his appearance. That would draw the, he was a common man. Verse 3. He is despised. I had a man that told my wife I would come to Pastor Shepherd. I got a problem, but he's never suffered with it. I told my wife, hallelujah. I'm glad I never dealt with what he had. But just because I haven't dealt with it on a personal basis is not that I haven't suffered at one time or another the same feelings that he may have suffered, though the circumstances be different.
But even though I've not suffered that same thing, I know a Savior. Everybody say a Savior. A Savior. Woo, that has been there. Rejected a man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with what? With grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He is despised and we esteemed him not. The next verse. Surely he has borne. This is important because we need to realize that he has already made provision in advance for humanity, for you and for me. Because he knew there would be moments of grief. There would be moments of ah, sorrow. There would be moments of rejection. And he is able to be there as our counselor. Jesus. I love young folks. I love babies. I love kids, period. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being a grandparent. I, I really am. I keep telling my oldest one, son, dad, son, dad, son, adopt dad. I don't want to start raising another group. I just want some that I can love and send home. I told him, I said, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to teach my little grand boy, grandsons to look at their mama and say, ugly mama. And she said, I don't think that's healthy. I said, why? Because you're allowed to get hit. I said, okay, I won't teach them that. But it is an idea. One thing about it, things will just stay totally lively around my house. I love our young folks. And we've got some, some that are just uh, Matthew. We have a young man in our church named Matthew. I call him St. Matthew. Very, very sober. I, I think pastor is sober, but this guy even exceeds you. Never smiles. Matthew, how are you doing? Mm. I said, oh, I see you've had a good day. Mm. I said, well, good. I've reached a point I can even understand. I interpret him. It's a gift of the spirit. Mm. He's got a brother called Ashton. Ashton and Matthew gets, gets along fairly well. Though Ashton did hit his brother, older brother, with a, a stick or something. And I, I heard through the vine there was almost a war that erupted out on their place. Anyway, we've had young folks come and go at our place. We was, we was walking down memory lane just a few, well, last night, man. And all of our choir that we had and the kids that we had, 
one particular family, the Bowmans had three daughters, Cammie, Crystal, and Kimberly. And the two oldest ones now live in the state of Florida. Forgive me for confessing such as what I'm about because, you know, we as the ministry sometimes we get accused of having favorites. And, and I must admit to you, and I, I've told our church, I do, I have favorites. I'm favorite and, and, and give favor to the individual that's faithful. Someone that I know there is, is going to be there when we have church. Those that will support it, those that love us, those that pray for us. I'm not saying they necessarily have to agree with me. But they're there. And so I, I have favorites. And it was that one of these girls, Crystal, was a favorite. Black-headed. I can still hear her singing. Mercy said, no, not going to let me go. I can hear it. She came to me and she said, Pastor, I'm, 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 I'm moving to Pennsylvania. I'm going to go back to school. I said, Crystal, I, I wish you wouldn't do that. Pastor, that's what I feel. I said, oh, Crystal, please. And she did. I began to, in my prayers, I prayed for her. And there, unbeknownst to me, my prayers became consumed with grief at her absence. You know something? Preachers have feelings. Maybe we're not saying it all the time, but we do really love the people that we pastor. The scripture that I read from 2 Kings, the man of God was staring. That's what it meant when he countenance became as it was at this messenger from the king. Because God not only had spoken to him that that he had delivered, what he was saying is this that you have, you can recover from it. It's not on to death. But you're going to die. And he looked at that messenger because he knew what that messenger had conceived in his heart. He was going to take his master's life and rule in his place. And as he ruled, he was going to be very cruel to the prophet's people. And he wept. Sin's a terrible thing. It's been likened to the disease of leprosy. We would liken it to cancer today, just eating and consuming. You that have had a loved one that has suffered with it, it's not an easy process to see them just sit and seem just to 
diminished day by day. My father died of it. It affected my mother to the point that she in turn would say, I can't pray for it because I don't believe God can heal it. That was how devastating it was and what I had to deal with. But I stand here tonight, even in the, this morning, even in the midst of what we have suffered with in my past, I'm telling you, our God is still a healer. Do you hear me? He's, whoo! He is a, somebody needs to say, yay, Lord. You cannot allow, please understand, and this is just one aspect of our life, you cannot afford to allow grief to blind you to the promises that God has made. You cannot allow it to take a toll in your life to the point that you can't step ahead. You cannot allow it to take and reach a point that it stifles your prayers and keeps you from being effective as what you need to be in the lives of those that are around you. God needs you, child. I wept over Crystal week after week after week after week after week. And one Sunday night in the prayer room, the Lord spoke to me and said, It is enough. Don't pray no more for her. Pastor, are you sure that it was God? Well, I asked you to do this. Go to the scripture and see if there wasn't another man of God that God said, it's enough. Don't pray for Saul no more. I rejected him. I didn't understand. And so it was that in obedience I done that. I, I stilled myself and my prayers began to redirect themselves. Right. And I began to pray for others that I should have been praying for. Uh -huh. Days turned into weeks, weeks into several months. And one night while I was down praying, the Lord spoke to me again and said, Okay, you can pray for her now. And my prayer was different. It wasn't moved by. And it wasn't but a matter of months until Crystal and her husband and her two babies were sitting back on our pews. I'm not saying they were in the shape that they needed to be spiritually, but they were there. Jerry, he was raised around the church not far from where I pastor, and he, uh, he sent a message one time. He said, Preacher, I'm telling you, I don't like my wife coming home from church all stirred up. 
What are you doing to her? Preaching to her? Love and honor? Praying for her? And it moved him to know that there was somebody that began to care for his family that he had never had before. But it took God, it took God speaking to me to still me so that he could get my attention and then redirect me to be more efficient in that that he would have for me to do. You wonder why the preacher's praying like he is? You young folks that are here, you want to know why mom and dad is praying like they are? You young folks that are praying for friends and love, you know why they're praying like they are? Because there's something down on the inside. This was not my intent, but let me simply state to you, there are those that are living below their privilege in prayer. There are four avenues of prayer. There is the simple prayer that so often we hear prayer, but there is then the prayer of supplication, a little stronger, a little more in feeling, a little more in depth. Then there is a prayer of thanksgiving. I asked of you, often there are those that are grieving because life ain't been everything you wanted it to be. Jobs have not worked out. Marriages have not worked out. Relationships have failed. You can give up on life if you want to. You can quit if you want to and wallow in your misery, your grief, your heartache, your pain. Or you can go to prayer and raise your hands and begin to be thankful for what God has done for you. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to praise him this morning. Come on. Just a little bit more right here, somebody. Come on, put your hands back together. Come on, I want to hear you say thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You've been good to me. I've had people leave our congregation and and I told them, I said, this ain't right.
I'm trying to weigh my words here, so will you bear with me? And you know what I did? I'd go to the church and pray for them. I mean, they didn't quit living for God. They just went someplace else. They greet me and still call me Pastor Shepherd. Tell me that they love me. It's just the way it is. It's no different than you having a loved one that says, I just don't like you and I don't want to be around you. And uh, My wife tells me there are times she don't like me. She threatened me one time. She said, I'm leaving. I said, well, that's good. And she stopped and looked at me and she said, really? I said, yeah. I said, where are you going? I don't know. I said, well, when you make up your mind, let me know, because I'm going to go with you. We're going to leave. Let's leave together. <laughs> Sister Shepherd, did that not happen? You're making light. There comes a time in your life that there are some things you need to lighten up. There is only one thing, and I believe I can be safe in saying this to you, that I read in the word that Jesus told us to pick up and carry. Just one thing. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, there's some things you need to you need to set aside and take up your cross and follow me. Paul comes along and he says, "Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so." Was he dealing with people that? stumbling underneath it all because they've got a cross and they've got this weight and they've got, we call it baggage. And the sin, those, those things that seem to eat at us, that's so different than somebody else. Somebody else says, well, I, I don't understand that because, well, I'm not, I don't deal with that. And, and I, I fully understand that. It doesn't make them wrong. It just means they've got something they have to contend with. But then I find another writer says that we are to cast all of our cares upon him. So if you would stop and consider with me. I'm going to live for God. i got to take up the cross. I want to live for him. And so I'm willing to take up my cross. But I find that I, be, I, I have become so weighed down. Why is it? Could it be that you need to stop and take inventory and consider, have you not laid aside some things that you need to lay aside and lay it to rest?
what do I need to do? Very quickly, and trying to bring all this to a close, all right? And if I don't, I'll pick it up tonight. There is in the scripture a young woman by the name of Mary that leaves us with an example to be followed in our relationship with Christ. The first time I see her, Jesus is at her house and our sister Martha is in the kitchen and I believe that she is rattling the pots and pans because she's upset with Mary because she's not in the kitchen helping her. And the pan rattling just keeps getting louder and louder until it sounds like World War I has broke out. Gaining up strength, in she comes. At this point, she is mad. She is not only mad, she's frustrated. Not only is she frustrated, she is on the verge of yelling. It is with great constraint that she looks at the master and says, Don't you care that I'm in the kitchen by myself and my sister's in here? We know that he was God manifested in the flesh. She came before God. Now, before you all freak out over this, I wonder how many times that some of us in our grief and frustration has felt like shaking a hand, hand toward heaven and saying, what are you doing? And can I tell you something? The reply to that may be, what have you done? I'm a no prophet. Please understand that. I am lucky sometimes that I know what to say after thus saith the Lord. I can tell you what he has told me. Sometimes. But I go to the book of Psalms and read it. If you want to understand the consequences of man's actions, go to it. You then can look at situations that people has got themselves into and go to the book of Psalms and tell them what's going to happen to them if they don't get it under control. One of our girls that we have raised in Sunday school. Please don't cringe, Mama. Hang with me. I don't know what happened. She's had six children, every one by a different man. This last one, we thought we was going to lose. Notice how I said that. We're going to lose. 
the spirit moving one night in service. I come off of the platform and down the aisle back where she was sitting. And I reached out and said, and tears running, daughter, you're going to have to quit this. <laughs> it isn't working anymore. You know what the physicians have said. Please, I'm going to pray for this baby. And we pray. And God touched it. I had her in my hands Wednesday night. She was fussing with me and grinning all at the same time. Why was you weeping, Pastor? It's not your daughter. Why are you weeping, preacher? Why are you weeping, man of God? Because I care. Why would you weep this morning? Because you care. I feel the Lord here. You do too. here this morning paid everything he needed for the grief and the sorrow you in Sunday school class a few weeks ago, our youth leader said, why are you not down front praying? And Matthew, all of them turned and looked at him and the kids, apparently they'd been talking, you know. I've often said, you want to know what's going on in the church, just talk to your young folks, they'll tell you. Matthew said, we don't want to bother nobody. We don't want to feel like we're a burden. And I thought, oh God, what do you don't realize is all the generations beyond them you want to know who was in the altar praying them through? I remember the night Ryan Evans fell in at the altar. Just me and him. Others were praying. What are you doing, preacher? What are you hoping to gain out of it? A soul. gelling among this congregation. I'm not making an apology for what I've said. 
but I'm asking you now not to let this fall and not give heed. I'm willing to bind with you this morning in prayer. I'm in no hurry. Be however long it is. the altars are open. However you do it here. It may mean that some just need to get down between the pews where you're at because there's some things you need to really empty of this morning. You may need even to reach out and grab that companion by the hand and say, hey, I, I need help. I have hurt so long that I don't know what to do with this. It may be that you just want to get up and come to the altar. The altars are open. Will you this morning and I, I will beg with you. Here's an opportunity. Let's move and see what the Spirit will do for us in our lives. Come on. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.